I will know that my mission is complete if your child goes off to college and they say, here's my syllabus. Okay, when am I going to work out? Because they just know that that's what they need to be successful and to be focused uh, and they need to take their medicine. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm Debbie Reber, and this week I'm talking with coach, counselor, and author Gabriel Villarreal about the intersection of mental health and exercise for differently wired kids. Gabriel is not just a licensed counselor specializing in ADHD and the owner of Lost Boys Strength and Conditioning Gym. He also has ADHD himself and has experienced the convergence of these three topics in a profoundly personal way. Gabriel is the creator of the ADHD Answers book series, including the books on strength and positioning, Don't Just Survive with ADHD, Unlock Your Superpowers and Thrive, on the benefits of music therapy, understanding the benefits of music for the ADHD brain, and his most recent edition on exercise as medicine. In our conversation, we talk about the concept of exercise as medicine, the differences and considerations of exercise benefits for ADHD and autism spectrum disorder, and Gabriel's advice for parents and coaches who want to help their differently wired kids and athletes thrive mentally and physically. I found this conversation fascinating. I hope you do too. And now here is my conversation with Gabriel. Gabriel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me. This is a really exciting conversation. You know, with a lot of my guests, I have a personal stake in what you have to say. So that's <laughs> this one is no different. But before we get into the kind of core theme of our talk today, could you take a few minutes and just tell us a little bit more about yourself? I've read your formal bio, but tell us a little bit about who you are in the world and what you do. Sure. So I do a little bit of everything. I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia. I'm also a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and I own my own gym here in Roanoke, Virginia. And um, I do, yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, most recently, I have been combining the two fields uh, in, in various ways I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, I think most recently within the last like, couple of weeks, I've been trying to educate a lot of other coaches on everything that we're going to talk about today. Yes. So this is something that I think is just so appropriate too for these times that we're in. We're recording this in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and Mm -hmm. people are home with their kids and, you know, they're not getting the same kind of exercise or opportunities that they would typically have. And we're going to be talking about specifically kids with ADHD, but I know you work with kids with all different types of neurodifferences around the area of exercise. So maybe just tell us even how you got into this. How did you find yourself working and in, in this intersection between uh, exercise and mental health? Yeah, sure. So I was in um, graduate school in 2010. And um, the story goes, uh, graduate school is kind of hard. And um, throughout graduate school, I probably saw most of my cohort just uh, have like an emotional breakdown um, at some point that first year. And uh, for whatever reason, um, I just was not feeling the stress. Um, and in, in reflecting on that first semester, you know, after that semester was over, uh, the, really the only different thing that I was doing is I was training for a half marathon. 
Um, and so I had a pretty strict training regime. I was running two or three times a week and uh, combine that with eating okay. Um, but also, you know, in graduate school, every conversation that you have with a professor is like a mini counseling session. And so uh, my thesis essentially was, you know, if I had this pillar of nutrition, exercise and mental health, that maybe I could be more resilient to whatever life throws at you. Um, you know, graduate school being the first thing that was on my mind. And, uh, you know, I presented this to most of my professors and they weren't really picking up what I was putting down. And so I was like, well, let me just um, finish what I got going on here uh, with school. And then I will kind of dive more into the science. And as you can imagine, as I'm sure you've researched, there's not a whole lot of science or research behind exercise and mental health. And um, in 2014, Dr. John Brady published Spark, which is a fantastic book on exercise and mental health. And I was completely vindicated because there's a whole chapter on ADHD and also just on the resiliency factors that exercise can have. And so after reading that and graduating um, graduate school, I was like, well, then this needs to be the next, the next goal is to start a gym, get a certification, learn everything I can about exercise science and um, dive into that. And eventually, you know, create a space where I'm doing both things at the same time. And um, you know, the ultimate goal is having my practice and gym in the same location. They're not right now. And um, yeah, I've been doing that uh, ever since the last 10 years. Wow. I just have to ask, do you love it? Like, it just sounds like it's a blend of your personal interest and in, in bringing all these pieces together. Has it been really fulfilling for you? Yeah, it's been, you know, the, the, the days that it works, it's fantastic. And I'm like, and it's a lot of those times where you nail something and you're like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I did it. Um, there are days like that, but the hardest thing is, is that there is no blueprint for any of this, you know, in the book spark, the research just says run, uh, and, and do some cardio and you'll have mental health benefits. Um, and there's some vague guidelines and, and, you know, there's some more research that has come out um, in the recent years, uh, but still it's, it's largely just like, Hey, go work out and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's been really difficult, uh, is trying to, to figure out what works and then realizing that everyone's different and then trying to figure out what each one of my clients, um, or just my gym members that are not associated with my private practice at all. Like what do they need for their mental health? You brought up the fact that, yeah, we're in a pandemic right now. And to my gym members, I was running around like chicken little saying like, Hey, everybody, we're all going to be in therapy by <laughs> the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone was kind of like, yeah, right. Gabriel, you're, you know, a therapist. Of course you would say that. And when we were able to open back up within two weeks, everyone was like, yeah. So do you know a good therapist? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So trying to figure out what everyone needs uh, to best help them ADHD or otherwise is uh, that's been very fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, because it's the kind of influence that can really change somebody's life. I mean, mental health is really the foundation, especially during this time. If, if we're not experiencing good mental health, then we just don't have anything to give to ourselves, to our kids, to our families. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd love to talk more about this idea of exercise as medicine. I think for a lot of listeners, especially listeners who have kids with ADHD, this is something we hear from the time they're really young, like they need to be involved in sports and they exercise helps regulate their brains. And it can also be hard to sometimes get them to do the said exercise. And we'll talk about that as well. But can you 
tell us a little bit more about how exercise is medicine for kids with ADHD or children on the spectrum or maybe kids with other neural differences? Yeah. So remind me to come back to kids on the spectrum because okay. um, there's a lot of more recent research that uh, if people have, have heard any of the podcasts that I've done, it's just not out yet um, or I just haven't been able to, to speak it. So in terms of ADHD, you know, when we take stimulant or non-stimulant medication for our um, ADHD, those medications are really targeting dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, and dopamine uh, is responsible for motivation, drive, stick It's not just that reward center that we had been led to believe for so long, um, or that I guess that's all that they really knew. Um, but they regulate a lot of the things that, uh, a lot of the pitfalls that ADHDers have. Uh, we're not motivated. We don't want to start those difficult tasks. We're not detail-oriented. We're, we're only hyper-focused when we're enjoying something. That's all dopamine. Um, and norepinephrine as well. And so one of the fantastic things about exercise is that for our boys or men, males, when we hit a max heart rate, our brain produces dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, it just kind of, the faucet turns on and there it goes. And so by definition, if it's creating these things that medication creates, then uh, it's medicine. And so that had led me to um, start my own class for ADHDers to really not just throw them on a treadmill and just say, hey, run until your heart rate's at a maximum. Um, but as you know, there are a, a lot of difficulties that ADHDers can have just playing like team sports. And so throwing them on a treadmill being really boring wasn't really an answer. And so giving them different stimuluses, keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting was really important for them to have an extended period of time, a whole class where they're getting these benefits constantly, um, but also fostering, hopefully fostering uh, a sense of like, not only is this fun, but this is just something that I do. Um, it's Monday. So I'm going to the gym. Uh, I tell most of my parents, you know, my, my whole goal, uh, I will know that my mission is complete. If your child goes off to college and they say, here's my syllabus. Okay. When am I going to work out? Uh, because they just know that that's what they need to be successful and to be focused uh, and they need to take their medicine. Uh, so we're really giving all of those um, kids exactly that medicine. And, and what always comes up is, is time frames. Uh, it's medicine, but how long does it last? Uh, so in the immediate uh, future, they hit that max heart rate. They get 30 to 90 minute window of some quote unquote neurotypical uh, behavior where they're a little bit more focused, that dopamine's flowing, they're, they're driven, they're motivated. Um, I liken it to, you know, the, the, the person who hasn't worked out in a really long time and goes to work out, has a good time. And it's like, I got to go do something. I'm going to go clean my house. I'm going to go grocery shopping. I just like, I feel like I can conquer everything. Um, imagine that, but for kids and all they have to do is homework. Um, and so we see a lot of, you know, class uh, days when they come to my class, we see homework is a little bit easier and sleep is a lot faster. Um, and there's no argument because they're not only are they tired, but they kind of have a nice even keel of that dopamine flowing. The, the great thing about exercise is that the chronic exerciser, so the person that has been working out consistently for years, really actually creates more faucets by which dopamine and norepinephrine can be produced. Um, so instead of it just being one, when they're like eight and they hit that heart rate threshold, um, their brain turns on that faucet. But when they're 18 or, or 28, um, they have 
many more faucets by which to produce dopamine. And the idea is that if there are more faucets, maybe they are dripping more and uh, they're much more able to cope and quote unquote look neurotypical. Um, and so one of the most common things that I hear from all of the parents that I see, whether they come to the gym or, or my practice, is they're shocked that I have ADHD. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, I've been doing, not only do I know how to cope, I, I know all the stuff, but I've also been working out since I was 16. And so um, that's something that I try to instill in, in all of my kids and, and their parents as well. Hmm. I've got a bunch of questions for you. So Shoot. first of all, this is just fascinating to me. So what I'm hearing is that it is this time frame after exercise, post-exercise, you've got 30 to 90 minutes of some kind of more focused ability yeah. to, to attend to tasks. So is there a correlation between that length of time and how long they work out? Or does it just vary by each person? You know, there is absolutely no data behind any of that. And it's incredibly frustrating from my perspective, because I would love to answer that question mm -hmm. for you. And so that is one of the reasons why I set up my class the way that I've set up. Of course, we're, we're not having that class right now, but I ran it for about nine months. And what I wanted to see was I wanted to answer that exact question. Can I just have this child come in? And let's say we're going to jump on the rower. Um, and we row for four minutes, and you hit that max uh, heart rate twice. And what if we just said, okay, go home and see what happens? Um, of course, we didn't do that. Uh, we let them stay for the rest of the class. But I wanted to see if, depending on how many times they hit a max heart rate throughout that whole class, what does that look like for when they go home? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the, the question I'm trying to answer is, in school, if we have a child that's completely unfocused, can the teacher just say, hey, let's step out of the hallway. I want you to go sprint down the hallway and sprint all the way back to me, and then come back inside? And will that give them that same level of focus and attention? Unfortunately, this pandemic hit, and we have a lot of great feedback from parents about sort of what I said of, of homework's a little bit easier, they're a little bit more focused, they're much more agreeable to go to bed and uh, fall and stay asleep, and overall temperament is good. But in terms of testing that question about running in the hallways at school, uh, we just weren't able to test that. Mm -hmm. Not yet, right? Not yet. Get, get to we'll it. <laughs> and another thing, when you were answering, starting to answer that question, you said, you mentioned the word boys. You said, if we get boys to their max heart rate. So is it different for girls it or is. is your, okay. So say more about that. Yeah. So females are, I think they have the better deal and they just have to hit like 60 to 70% of a max heart rate. Hmm. Um, I don't know why, uh, but that's what a lot of the literature is, is, is telling us is when they were thrown on treadmills, they saw that if they had like a steady state of 60 to 70%, which is really easy. Um, that's, you know, a nice jog, mm -hmm. um, a 30 minute run at a good pace on a nice day. It's that's really, really easy. And so talking to you now, I'm wondering if that is why girls, if that's contributing to why girls are so underdiagnosed, um, because any movement that they get sort of hits them at that level. If they're playing tag, if they're recess, uh, or, or what have you, they're just sort of hitting that threshold really, really fast. That's something I should look into. <laughs> that is super fascinating. Wow. Okay. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. And then you also said, remind me to come back to talking about kids on the spectrum. So let's get into that. Yeah. So um, I I have, we've coached one child on the spectrum within that class. And that was a great learning experience as far as what kids on the spectrum need, as opposed to what the ADHDers need. And so ultimately what we decided to do is just do one-on-ones with children on the spectrum. And we found that that worked so beautifully, uh, so much so that we, um, I hired another coach at my gym to just see kids that are on the spectrum. Um, and she's doing fantastically. And so one of the things that we know about children on the spectrum is that they have a low muscle tone throughout their whole lives. And being a strength and conditioning coach, my first thought is like, what does that look like in their old age? 
And if they have a low muscle tone, that might also mean that they have a low bone density. And that also means that maybe by the age of 30 or 40, if they take a fall, if their bone density is really low, what does that look like for breaks? And then if they have low muscle tone, what does that look like for recovery? Are they ever able to recover? And this is sort of my ADHD brain going down a rabbit hole of all the problems that a child could have. And so this is a problem that we need to solve. And so I did, um, we've coached probably four kids on the spectrum. And our goal is, yes, to get them moving. Um, and we found that that has been really helpful in terms of the dopamine and norepinephrine that we talked about. But one of the other things that we found is that if we focus on getting the kids that are on the spectrum strong, and not like powerlifting strong, but just just strong in terms of like, maybe they're just squatting a 35 pound kettlebell for three sets of 10. Not only does that do wonders for their confidence, but they're also just better able to handle life in general, in terms of being able to move, being able to go out into the world and not have the issues that I just kind of rambled on about uh, later in life. Uh, There's more muscle on their bones. uh, They're stronger. And um, hopefully they also know that, that they need to be doing this as well. Um, and so we've, we've had a couple kids come in, uh, and across the board, all their parents said that their kids are just acting differently. Um, and what it, what that sounds like is they're just more confident. Um, one of the moms said that her son was taller and I was like, ah, that wasn't me. Uh, I didn't make him taller. <laughs> um, and she said, well, he, he had a hunch and now he doesn't. Now I have to look him in the eye to talk to him. Whereas before I have to duck my head to kind of catch his eye line. And she said, and he's just walking around and, and he was high functioning, but her hopes was it's going to be really hard for him to get a job. And by the end of coaching, she was like, I, I think, I think that's something that he can do is successfully navigate all of that stuff because of how confident he is now. So I'm wondering, maybe you can answer two questions in one here, because I would like to know more about how you structure your gym in terms of the kinds of exercises and workouts that are really great for differently wired kids. And then within that, I'm just curious if there are certain sports that are more like I'm just thinking at one point, um, Ash, my son was taking a boxing class and or he he was doing kind of one to one, but then small group. And it seemed like all the kids there were quirky, like they were all differently wired, they were drawn to that sport. And I'm just wondering what kinds of sports and activities you think are especially great for differently wired kids. I think the the sports that they want to do and they stick to are the best sports. Um, I know that really doesn't answer your question, but that that really is the best answer. You know, because our hope is that they make this a lifestyle and this is just a part of their day. Like I brush my teeth, I eat breakfast, I also work out, I go to my job. Like it's just part of their life. Um, it really needs to be whatever they're going to stick to. And so what I heard from all of the, the parents of kids that are in my class was, that uh, team sports were really hard because they were differently wired and and they weren't able to maybe attune to things. They weren't able to act as a team or play as a team or they would get frustrated. And so, I would, yeah, I would probably say 90% of them just gave up on team sports. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they came to my gym. But the other thing too is the parents didn't really know where else to look. Um, what else is a sport that's not a team sport at that age? And... I think neurotypical or not, swimming is fantastic. Um, you look at any professional athlete, 
that you know is able to articulate what they what their upbringing was like and like 60% or more of them have said that they swam when they were young. Um, and so their cardiovascular uh, abilities are, you know, through the roof because they were swimming from a young age. Uh, I had a client, we made a deal that he didn't have to come back to see me at my practice if he went to swim team, that we couldn't figure out what what was going on with him, uh, anxiety and ADHD wise. And uh, we did some really intense conversations with him and his mom about like, what is different? Something is very different because when you brought him here, he he seemed very neurotypical. And, and now that it's school has started, he's the poster child for ADHD. And we just couldn't figure out what it was. And she, finally, she was like, well, in the mornings, we went to swim for two hours every day. And then we did this and we did that. And I was like, well, hold on. Is that swimming? That's fantastic. And all of his anxiety and ADHD symptoms subsided. And so here recently, I made him a deal. I said, you don't have to you don't have to come to therapy anymore if you just do swim team. And he was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and every now and then mom checks in and she's like, everything's great. <laughs> like, it's fine. Um, you know, school homework is a little frustrating sometimes, but that's to be expected, but uh, everything else is okay. And so, um, yeah, I think it's whatever's going to, whatever they're going to stick to. And I would encourage parents to look outside the box. Um, you know, if I have had parents just say do you think powerlifting because they, they they know that I have powerlifted in the past do you think that would be interesting and it's like does he think it'd be interesting mm-hmm. well yeah he's been watching you know these YouTube videos well then come in and let's try <laughs> like right. we're not gonna know um and and I think my gym has set up because I've had so many parents tell me that you know they bring their kids into another gym or another sport and the coaches are are you know rightfully so completely unequipped to be able to navigate a child that is not neurotypical or that does have special needs in whatever sense of, of the word that looks like. Um, they could be just an extremely anxious and the coach doesn't know how, what to do with it. And so, you know, at my gym, that's why we do the things that the way that we do them is because it's like all these kids have been turned away. They, you know, I can't handle this tantrum. So you guys can't come to class anymore. And so we just sort of figure it out. So to circle back to your question, what do my classes look like? Doing one-to-one stuff, it, it could look different every class because we're really trying to figure out what's going to work on that day. Um, how are we going to achieve you know, the goals that we set out for that day? And how can we do that for this child and his needs? The classes that are, are all ADHDers are set up into stations and every station they're at for about three to four minutes, depending on depending on their need and need being the operative word. So if they come in and it's like the day after Halloween and they're just jacked up, then we might do every station for five minutes because <laughs> they just they can't seem to focus on uh, switching from station to station. So if we do five minutes, they're there um, and the rest of the class goes well. But I am rotating them between a bunch of different conditioning elements. Um, so a lot of the classic stuff, they're jump, jumping rope, they're rowing, they might be dragging a sled, they might be pushing a prowler, uh, they might be uh, using the battle ropes. I have a bunch of old used tires and a sledgehammer, and they go to 10 on that. One of the things that I really like to do with everyone that comes to the gym is, is they need to be prepared and strong to do other things later in life as well. And so all of these things are not just 
we're not just running for the sake of, of running. We're, we're pushing this prowler. And how is that going to transfer over to if they are doing sprints? If they do decide to go do a sport, they might be doing carries where they're carrying dumbbells or kettlebells. Or I have an, an empty keg um, and they carry that. And so how is this going to make them make them strong? Well, if they're carrying an empty keg, it's, it's usually bigger than they are. And so they have to pull the keg into them. They have to be nice and upright and they're developing all of that erector and, and low back strength um, that they need. And, you know, lo and behold, their rounded shoulders and their hunched position goes away after a couple of weeks because they're just strong enough to hold that position all day. And so my question is always, are we going to do this stuff and what's the carryover going to be to other parts of life? So I just try to make up other activities like that, um, that are going to do that. We'll be right back after this quick break. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I'm just thinking that there's an opportunity here for training trainers. You know, we, you mentioned how, how many uh, coaches and things and people who work with, with student athletes aren't really equipped to understand differently wired kids or to understand things that are hard for them. And we actually had someone on the podcast probably more than a year ago who started an organization called own beat athlete. And she is working with, coaches to help them understand kids uh, with ADHD. But I, you know, what you're doing, we all can't send our kids to Roanoke, Virginia to go to your gym. So do you have plans to train other trainers and and help other people running gyms to better understand our kids? Just just curious. Um, yeah, I, I didn't include that in, in any of my bio because it didn't seem pertinent. <laughs> but um, I actually, when, when, Virginia shut down. I, I started on a new project and it's called the clinically informed coaching. Um, and it's something that, that my gym's affiliate match elite performance 
frequently has me talk about is, is if they're ever doing a seminar, um, they're two hours away and, and they call me and say, Hey, come talk about exercise, and mental health, talk about what you know, this quarter. And, um, over the last, you know, the end of 2019, early 2020, I did a series of talks for them and I recorded them all and listened to them all. And I said, you know, I, I really have a lot of good content here to help educate coaches and trainers. And so I developed a clinically informed coaching. And if any of you parents have a coach that needs to know about this stuff, they can go to clinicallyinformedcoaching.com. And I have like a hundred page ebook. Um, and in that ebook, I break down how I coach a, a few different diagnoses, uh, how I coach kids with depression and adults, both uh, depression, anxiety, ADHD, ASD, Down syndrome. Um, and those are little blurbs that I've been doing for the last like three years. So it's not a lot of, it's all anecdotal, but it's a lot of um, helpful things. And towards the end of that book is I, I outline a lot of the counseling skills that we learn, like those first few weeks and months of graduate school and how those micro skills and tenets of counseling are applicable to coaching and how doing that will not only make you a better coach, uh, you'll build better relationships and be able to really hear what the client needs, whether they're actually telling you verbally or non-verbally. Um, and so I, I've taken all of the, the listening skills and listening is in quotes that you learn as a counselor or therapist and brought them into coaching so that the coaches can be a little bit more, like I said, clinically informed about how to help their kids. Hmm, that's so great. Well, listeners, I'll share links to that in the show notes. You can check it out. I know that I'm going to be checking it out. And I'm wondering in this time, again, of COVID-19, which we just don't know how long it's going to last, how can parents kind of get their kids on board, you know, and, and approach exercise during lockdown and when we're staying at home, especially with kids who aren't really motivated? Do you have any strategies or suggestions for how parents can help get kids invested in this or interested in it and then how to approach getting started? Yeah, I think the hard answer is that it, it needs to be a family event. Um, and, and less, like you said, the kid is just motivated internally to, to do this thing. And, and there are some kids that are you know, for whatever reason, they watch Commando because uh, it's on TNT and they're like, I want to look like Arnold and now I'm going to go work out. <laughs> um, and so some kids aren't like that. And so it, it really needs to be a, a family thing where we're all going to go for a walk and we're all going to go do this today and we're going to make it fun and we're going to play these games. And um, it, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be arduous. Um, I, I had my ADHD class, uh, obviously we, we shut it down when the state shut down and I sent everyone home with a jump rope. Um, and I said, every day I'm going to put a new workout on our, our private Facebook group. And I'm also going to put a mindfulness practice in the mornings as well. And the, the whole goal was to keep these kids active because like you said, they're cooped up at home, they have ADHD and they're driving their parents crazy. Um, so how do we keep them moving and, and give them something to do that's also going to give them all of the benefits that we talked about at the beginning of this episode? Um, and so what I came up with was a bunch of workouts that are like 15 minutes long, that are very simplistic, that require no coaching at all, because that's sort of, you know, that's the other thing about coaching ADHDers is because their attention span may be so limited, 
we can't walk them through these complicated movements. It needs to be very simple. Pick up a keg and walk down there and walk back or push this, this heavy thing down the turf. And so um, all of these workouts don't really require a whole lot of coaching and they can be done by, by anyone. Uh, we have a wide swath of, of kids in that group um, and they were all able to do a lot of these things. Um, some of them are harder than others. Jumping rope is hard to, to first figure out how to do that. But it's a skill that I think is really beneficial because you can do it anywhere. Uh, if you have a jump rope that costs like 10 bucks, um, then, hey, go outside and jump some rope for a little bit. And if you can get 10 in a row, that's great. Maybe you have 10 extra minutes of video game time tonight. And uh, that can be a really strong motivator. And they might be out there for an hour <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> to get those 10, um, strong together. And so I think parents need to really join their kids into this because very rarely do kids say, I'm going to take on this new thing that's going to completely change my life that wasn't done within the family already. Sometimes that happens, but not, not especially at a young, young age when they're still living at home. And so mom and dad need to, to join in if they can take shifts and um, make it a competition too. You know, a lot of these workouts are like how many um, sets of this, these three movements can you do in 10, 10 minutes? And let's, let's compete. Let's, you know, whoever gets the most gets to pick the movie we'll, we watch tonight. Or, you know, whoever wins or whoever loses has to do the dishes. Um, so something where we're gamifying all of these things and set a routine. Hey, it's it's 10 o'clock. Let's start our day uh, with a workout and then we'll go about our day. That way it's expected. It's known. Um, and maybe it's something that they can look forward to if, if they know, like, okay, if I do good on this workout, then I can pick what show we watch tonight, you know, before we go to bed. And so try to be creative about how we're going to incentivize this, you know, time. Um, And none of those workouts are longer than 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. I'll say that in our, our house that it's been really interesting during this time. We're in, we're in New York city in a pretty small apartment and my husband and son have started doing workouts together for the first time ever. And they do it, they do it twice a week. They set up stations, they go out front by our little stoop and do jumping jacks. And I'm pretty sure half the neighbors are like laughing at them, but um, they, they just have this little routine and they always start it by like, I always know when they're working out. Cause I hear the song, the final countdown by Europe blasting in the apartment <laughs> and they do a, um, a plank and they try to hold uh-huh. the plank for the whole song. And uh, <laughs> And this morning, Asher said to me, he's like, I did I did a full three minute plank yesterday. Wow. I was like, damn, that's, that's awesome. That's impressive. But what I've been trying to do too is just, and what I've always done with exercise is just to help, like talk about it afterwards, right? Ask, mm-hmm. how are you feeling now? Do you notice any difference? Are you feeling like you're more able to, to, to focus on things or did it help switch your mood? Like I'm always trying to help them uh, understand how this influences them to try to build in that self motivation, even if it wasn't there to start with. I think that's really important to do, especially for our teenagers who already know everything about everything. Right. (laughs) And so I, I do coach a few of my clients and, and we've, we've, they've agreed to sort of experiment with me where we're doing sort of a dual thing where we're running them through a workout, um, just me and, and the client. And we're also doing some talk therapy and the boys, the teenage boys like clam up. And then by the end of the workout, it's like, Hey man, like 
I got to go home. <laughs> like, can you stop talking? Um, <laughs> and being able to reflect that to them, like, hey, you always are ready to like leave our sessions when we're in the office, but now we're like 30 minutes over and you won't stop talking. What do you think that's about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. And then we can begin having those conversations of like, after you work out, you're a pretty cool guy. Um, and you're, you're much more ver- verbose and, and willing to talk about these things that, that you quote unquote, don't know about if we're in the office. And what do you think that means? And how can we incorporate this more? And what's, what's at stake? And, and that's a really important question because usually what's at stake is, well, I may get angry. I may get frustrated. I may not do my homework because I'm not attentive because I haven't worked out. And so what's at stake is, is a lot. So I should work out so that those, those things don't happen. That's so great. So great. Well, before we say goodbye, I'd love if you could just share where listeners can connect with you and if they want to learn more about your work or follow you on social media, what's the best place? Sure. Um, so social media, um, you can follow me, Gabriel V LPC. Um, I have a lot of content on there that is about, uh, clinically informed coaching. Uh, so if you have coaches, whether they are, you know, rec coaches, high school, middle school, direct them to me. And I'm I'm more than happy to answer any questions about what they can, what they can do. Uh, if you have questions specifically for me, Gabriel at RoanokeADHD.com. That's R-O-A-N-O-K-E. And um, I also have a a new book, just all about everything that we talked about, uh, except it goes much more into detail. And um, all those workouts that I talked about that were short and easy are are in that book, um, as well as some nutrition guidelines. um, If we want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit, or, you know, if the parents want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and just learn more about the importance of exercise for ADHD. Awesome. And tell us the name again of your books, because uh, I want to make sure that we link to it in the show notes page and people can check it out. So um, my ADHD books are all on uh, Amazon Kindle uh, under the the name ADHD Answers. Um, and so I have a book called ADHD Answers, Strengths and Positioning. Um, that's all about my belief that ADHD comes with superpowers. Um, and you can learn all about how to position your ADHD child or yourself to, you know, showcase those superpowers. Um, ADHD answers on the benefits of music therapy. I, I co-wrote that with the music therapist um, to sort of combat this conversation that I kept getting in, in session, which was my son wants to listen or my child wants to listen to music while they do homework. I can't do that. Tell them why that doesn't work. Um, so this book is all about why that that actually does work um, and why that they should be encouraged to find some music to listen to while they do homework so they can focus a little bit better. Um, and my latest book, I actually have not titled it yet, but you can search for ADHD answers uh, in some combination of ADHD and exercise uh, and it will be there for you. Awesome. So exciting. I can't wait to check out all of these resources. And I really appreciate this conversation. A lot of food for thought. And yeah, I'm feeling even more motivated to (laughs) exercise more myself. So thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you so much. I really uh, enjoyed this and I appreciate you sharing with us today. Absolutely. Anytime. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. 
Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash tilt parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.